All right, hello and welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. This is episode 125. Uh, I hope you guys all had a great weekend of football. I very much enjoyed this weekend of football watching. I mentioned the last two episodes, I was at the two most recent away games in Indianapolis and then in Seattle, which I had a blast at both of those. Love seeing away environments, love seeing different stadiums, taking in the energy of different stadiums. It's always a good time, and I, I do enjoy going to games, but there is something so great about just laying on your couch from the time the Germany game starts at 9.30 until the Sunday night football game ends at nearly midnight. Um, that is just so great. And it's like my favorite thing to do is just watch football constantly all day, sprinkle a Cavs game in there as well. Like that's a beautiful Sunday in my book. So uh, I think I appreciate the couch laying days like that more uh, when you, you add all the travel in there, which like I said, I had a blast doing, but it's, it's nice sometimes to just lay around in your sweats and watch a football game. I also feel like when I'm watching a Browns game in my apartment on TV, I just have a much easier time digesting what's going on. It's really hard sometimes in the stadiums to see everything. You're coming at things from a weird angle a lot of times where the depth perception is really off, and I just have a hard time accurately judging um, plays and what's been going on. So I think it was really nice to have a day where I could just lay there and really lock in on everything that was going on on the TV. Uh, so I um, very much enjoyed that. Uh, I'm going to quickly start with some Buckeye talk just briefly, then a little bit of Cavs conversation, and then we will get into all things Browns Cardinals, the upcoming game, Browns Ravens, and a couple of mailbag questions as well. So lots to get into, but it was a really, really great weekend. So um, Buckeyes beat Rutgers. Uh, it obviously has been a pattern this season, and I feel like it was a pattern maybe the last couple of years of the team really starting off slow offensively in the first half and then kicking it into gear in the second half. That has certainly been the case for this team this year, uh, just struggling very much offensively in the first half of these games. Kyle McCord not really finding his rhythm until later in the game, uh, the Buckeyes were losing seven to nine at one point, which was a very concerning score. Um, but, you know, obviously turned things on in the, the second half and were able to very comfortably win that game. Uh, you know, Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. always finding those moments to show you why he is the best receiver in college football. Um, Travion Henderson doing great things. Uh, so and obviously the defense continues to be uh, one of the stronger defenses in all of college football. So there's good things happening, but I still get nervous on um, just not being able to execute from start to finish in an entire game. I know, obviously, the first college football rankings, uh, Ohio State was number one, and part of my weariness about that was was this offense. Uh, but, you know, you just keep plugging along, and hopefully uh, when it comes time to play that team up north, they are able to put a, a complete game together because I uh, don't really want to lose to them right now with everything that is going on with that program, which I still have no new information on as of this week. Uh, it seems like maybe some investigations are going to be moving forward, but who knows how long those are going to take. So we will see. Um, I also think whenever I watch a Rutgers game against Ohio State, my my viewing is always very skewed because when I was in college from 2014 to 2018 at Ohio State, Rutgers was like one of the, 
the worst teams in the Big Ten, like would win zero games in a season, maybe one, two. They were not a good team. Um, now they're like a somewhat decent Big Ten team. Like they they have some more wins on the board. So I'm used to the 50 to nothing against Rutgers. And I, I recognize that uh, that's just my uh, in college years bias of what what that team is. And they're not uh, always going to be that moving forward. So it's just kind of funny. I was thinking about that when watching that game. Um, okay, so Cavs conversation quickly also. Um, I haven't gotten to watch all of the games, unfortunately, because I've been having some Bally sports issues, which I'm sure many of you can relate to uh, on having plenty of problems with being able to watch those games, which is really disappointing and frustrating at times. But um, what I have gotten to catch, at least beyond that in games I have watched or clips on social media you know, it's been a bit of an up and down season. They're three and four right now, which I don't think record really matters this early on in, in the season. So I'm not as much focused on that as I am. One, the fact that we finally have our, our full lineup back. Um, we had them against the Warriors, which are our full starting lineup, I'll say. We've still had some injuries, but our full starting lineup has been back. Um, it was great to be able to beat the Warriors. I did not realize that that was the first regular season win against the Golden State Warriors since Christmas of 2016, which I think everyone can remember that Christmas 2016 game, J.R. Smith domination um, in that game. That was a, a really fun one. I remember watching with my family on Christmas, uh, and I can't believe we haven't been able to beat them in the regular season since then, especially I'm sure a lot of you remember that game from last year where the Cavs played the Warriors on a day when uh, Steph, Clay, everyone was out. They were playing scrubs. They were playing the bench, and they still completely dominated the Cavs in Cleveland. Uh, so, you know, it's it's good to finally get a win. How many years is that later now? Seven, seven years later. Um, but uh, that was, I think, an important one to get, as well as the one in New York. I felt like we were going to go in there and lose that game because we were, you know, limited with... The players that we had at that moment, New York's, you know, a pretty good team and going into their house was going to be tough to, to snag a win, but it was nice to get that one. So, um, you know, they've been able to put some some games together, but now I think the, the real tests will start to come now that we have Jarrett back after, you know, missing him for the per- first part of the season. I think it's really, it's good to see, um, those guys out there and hopefully they can start to build up that chemistry again and figure out what they're going to look like, not only offensively, uh, but what it's going to look like for them to have Jarrett back out there defensively too. Uh, Okay. So Browns Cardinals, we got a shutout guys, Uh, a goose egg. Very, very exciting. 27 to nothing. The Browns first shutout since 2007. I was 12 in 2007 when the Browns had their last shutout. So that's pretty crazy to think. Um, I don't I don't recall it very well, being that I was 12 years old. But um, it, it's been a long time coming and it feels good to have finally got it. Um, and it's really, you know, a testament to this defense and their identity and who they are uh, that they were able to you know, not only shut them down in terms of points, but yards and, you know, the number of sacks they were getting, a couple of takeaways, like they were doing everything right across the board 
against this Cardinals offense, and it was really, really fun to watch. Um, and then props to the Browns offense, too. For the first time this season, they had zero turnovers in a game, uh, which we know has been the battle for this team is to limit turnovers. We have not been able to do that um, as a team. Quarterbacks have struggled, especially with with protecting the ball and not um, throwing interceptions. And so it was really nice to have a game where that was not a part of it. Uh, and hopefully that will continue when we start playing some better defenses moving forward as well. But hey, no complaints here. I'm not going to complain about not turning over the ball like that is we're moving in the right track with that. So I very much appreciate it. Um, OK, so kind of want to get into some different parts of the game analyze some of the stats from those different parts of the game, just things I diff- things I saw while I was watching. Um, so I'll, I want to start with the run game as a whole. Uh, so when you kind of look at the breakdown of the stats in this game, Ford had 20 carries for 44 yards, and then Hunt had 14 carries for 38 yards. So didn't have crazy yards per carry. That's both in the, the two-point-something range for yards per carry. Um So, you know, obviously that's not like Nick Chubb level yards per carry. But what is important is I felt like they were really wearing them down, um, wearing down the defense, running down the clock. That's something you needed to do in this game was continue to um, keep possession of the ball and, uh, you know, in those times also protect the ball, but really run down the clock because you knew you had the more talented roster. So you want to control the game at that point and, you know, not let anything crazy happen. So it, it felt good to see that they were really able to wear them down in that way. And, you know, the, the run game was decent because of that. It wasn't great, but it was definitely decent. And I think it also really helped to open up the passing game when you start to wear them down with the run game, which is something Kevin Stefanski has been so, so good at in his career is wearing the other team down with just pounding the ball at them. Um, I think it really showed in this game that it was able to open up the passing game and let Deshaun Watson kind of go crazy in a couple moments, which was really good to see. Um, it was good to see, I guess, in the run game too, Deshaun use his feet. Really, I want to say for the first time for his career in Cleveland. Like, I don't know if I've seen him do that since he was in Houston, which was really promising to see because I think a lot of it was a mental block for him. It felt like he mentally just didn't feel like he was the same player. Uh, And it felt like in a couple of those runs, he had three carries for 22 yards um, that he looked like the old Deshaun. He looked more confident. He looked like he knew, hey, I'm the guy who can do this. I I can use my feet in these moments and get a first down or get a good gain of yards. Um, So that was really promising as well. To get into Deshaun more specifically, uh, look, like, he, in the first part of the game, um, he definitely was struggling. And throughout the game, I would say he still struggled with a lot of the intermediate passes. It felt like he was a little bit off balance when making some of the throws and wasn't quite getting his feet set in the right way. That might just be, you know, he needs some more time coming back from this injury to get some reps in to get his footing again. Um, so I think that's something he's still definitely going to need to work on is is getting his feet set and and not... Um, being so off balance in those moments. Uh, But the most promising thing was the deep ball was back for sure, without a doubt. It is, uh, you know, along with that, him running, this was the best we have seen his deep ball since he has been a Cleveland Brown by a mile. Um, He had two really, really good passes to Amari Cooper. One was the 59-yard pass down the sideline where Coop was pretty wide open and and was able to take it down decently far. And then um, the other one I think was even more impressive. It was this 49-yard pass that 
he perfectly placed that ball in between two defenders. Uh, and if the ball was even like slightly more off than that, Amari wasn't going to catch it or it could have been intercepted, honestly, with having two defenders right there. The fact that it was placed so perfectly was so promising. And we have not seen many moments like that in general as a Browns fan. Uh, and, and it was really awesome to see. It makes me feel like, you know, Amari Cooper is just, he might be the most talented Browns receiver that I have gotten to watch as a Browns fan in my life. Like I, I genuinely don't know who I would put ahead of him. He had five receptions for 139 yards and a touchdown, like incredible stuff. Um, we, we just haven't had a guy consistently perform at the level that he performs at week in and week out. And it feels like he and Deshaun are finally forming this connection and relationship where they trust each other uh, and, you know, can make these things happen that we just don't get to see in Cleveland. Stefanski mentioned even after the game too, that the two of them, you know, Deshaun and Amari, they came up with that play together. And, you know, Stefanski, credit to him, he gave them the ability to do that and said, hey, go for it, you know. Um, but it, it was nice um, to see that once Stefanski trusted them, that shows there's a good relationship between the play caller and the quarterback and receivers. And two, that Deshaun and Amari are thinking in that way now and we're comfortable enough uh, to be you know, throwing those things out there and, and reading the defense in a way where they're like, hey, we see this being open, uh, let us run it. And uh, it worked and it was beautiful and so much fun to watch. Uh, and I, I don't even care that it was against like a not good team. Like it's just good to see those things out there. That's what you're supposed to do against not good teams. Um, you're supposed to have those moments. So it felt great. There was uh, another pass he had, which I I think might have been his best pass of the game to Marquise Goodwin. Um Goodwin did not catch it. Uh, it was kind of up above his head, but I, I thought it was placed really well in terms of where the defense uh, was covering him. Uh, and then I think Goodwin ended up getting injured on that play. So I think there were, you know, a couple factors there on why it didn't work out. But the throw was really good and really promising. So it's just good to see that not just happening once a game, but a couple of times a game. And gosh, it's so much easier to score when you're getting those large plays down the field rather than just these, you know, seven yard chunk plays. Like it's so much easier to win games when you get a 59 yard bomb here, a 40, whatever, 49 yard bomb here. Like those things are just are just so much more effective for offenses and you see it happen to everyone else and it just felt like the Browns had to put so much effort into score for so long where it was like we have to get those seven yard chunks all the way down the field in order to get just one touchdown you know it's nice to have those moments where you can go over half the length of the field on one play uh, and put yourself in a good position to score so really promising stuff then for the defense who the whole defense my God, a whole defense deserves the game ball for what they did uh, in that performance. Um, you know, they have really just built on so much of what they've done this year. And obviously, like last week, they were great most of the game. They struggled, you know, towards the very end, obviously letting in that last touchdown, but overall had a good game across the board. Uh, so I feel like they really built on that and then just excelled this week against uh, a struggling um Arizona offense that had a brand new quarterback, Clayton Toon. Poor guy. I kind of feel bad for him. Like, imagine you are starting your first game and Miles Garrett is on the other side. That's just a terrifying thought. I would literally pretend that I couldn't 
function because I would not want to be in that position. But it wasn't just Miles Garrett getting after that or getting after him. Uh, seven total sacks in that game, two and a half from Dalvin Tomlinson, half a sack Grant Delpit, uh, one sack Miles Garrett, Shelby Harris had a sack. His was actually the strip sack that Miles ended up recovering. Um, Zadarius had one and then Jordan Elliott had one. So pretty much like the entire defensive line <laughs> had a sack and had some part in this game, which was um, really cool to see it being spread around like that. I don't know if I've ever seen a defensive tackle on the Browns like Dalvin Tomlinson get get to the quarterback in the way he was. It was really awesome. Uh, the Cardinals overall had 58 net yards of total offense, which feels impossible. They've had a couple games. The Browns defense has had a couple games at this point like that, where they're just holding them, holding opposing offenses to impossible numbers that it feels so improbable to be able to do that. But um, they've continued to do that for so many weeks this season. Uh, And I think this just gives them a good confidence going into Baltimore next week. And I'm hoping it gives the offense a lot of confidence going into Baltimore next week as well, because obviously that's going to be one of the bigger tests. You're playing a a division game um, against what I think might be the best team in the AFC right now. When you look across the board at how everyone has been doing, I mean, Baltimore is going to be a big test. So uh, let's get into to that game for sure. Um, as I mentioned, division game. With the way the AFC North is right now, you really need to try to win these games because right now the AFC North has, if the playoffs were to start today, the AFC North has four playoff teams. The Ravens would be the division winners. And then the other three AFC North teams would be the three wild card spots, which is wild to see. Um, I don't know if I don't know if that's ever happened in NFL history once you get to the actual playoffs where all three wild card teams are from the same division. Someone should look that up and let me know if that is the case because um, I would have a hard time believing that that has happened before. And look, I'm not sure the season's going to actually end that way. I hope to God that Pittsburgh starts losing some more games because I will feel so ridiculous if they are a playoff team this year with the talent that that team has. Um, but it's, it's going to be so competitive for this division down to the very end of it. So you're going to want to try to get as many wins as possible. And one of those is going to have to be going into Baltimore and doing your best, uh, to try to get a win. Um, you know, obviously a couple weeks ago, they had the DTR game against the Ravens, one of their, you know, worst offensive performances of the season. DTR obviously was not ready at all. It was hard to judge the defense because they were so gassed the entire game from having to spend so much time out on the field. Um, and they looked tired too. So I'm hoping there were one lessons learned for the defense that game on what they saw from Baltimore and what they want to do differently this time. And two, that the offense is going to look completely different with Deshaun Watson out there than DTR. You just have to hope that that's the case, that um, DTR truly just was so unprepared and that Deshaun Watson really is fully healthy and back and ready to compete uh, against a team that is one of the top teams in the league right now. Uh, And you just... You go in there and you hope for the best because um, Lamar is having, I would I would say, an MVP season right now. Like He's definitely in the conversation for sure. Uh, week after week is doing really incredible things. They've evolved their offense in a way that's so different from what their offense has been in most recent years. And I think it's been so well tailored to what Lamar does well uh, that it's going to be, no matter what, a tough fought game. Uh, especially going into Baltimore. We unfortunately obviously lost the one at home. 
Um, this actually takes me into a mailbag question that I got. Um, chances the Browns beat the Ravens. So my head is telling me that like on paper, the Ravens are one of the best teams in the league. I just, how do we go into there and how do we beat them? But I think the ways we can beat them if we want to focus on the positive is the defense, like I mentioned, should clean things up from last game against the Ravens and then really capitalize on what they did against Arizona. Deshaun and the offense, do not turn the ball over. Do what you did against Arizona. Do not turn the ball over. If you are giving the ball to the Ravens, you are not going to win this game. They need to absolutely protect the ball. I think if they can do those two things, if the defense plays like we know this defense to be and the offense protects the ball, I think you give yourself a chance to at least be in the game, keep the game close, and then it gets to the fourth quarter and anything can happen. Crazy things happen in NFL games every week. I think you really just want to protect the ball, keep it close, um, you know, make sure you're getting your share of the time of possession and not just going three and out, three and out, making the defense tired. Uh, Those are going to be key factors to keeping it close and just hoping that when it gets to the end, things go your way. And hey, look, the the ball has bounced the Browns way a couple of times this year. Uh, I mean, it did against Arizona with the... uh, the karma for the ball bouncing off the helmet and us scoring a touchdown from that going the the you know interception last week with you know PJ Walker and the Seahawks but you know it sometimes it goes your way sometimes it doesn't so you're just hoping that if you keep things close that things end up going your way um okay so then the two other mailbag questions that i had does Miles Garrett demand a new contract after the season? I thought that was an interesting question because I haven't really considered that at all. Um, I don't think so. His contract's going to end in 2026, so there's still a pretty significant amount of time left on it. But at the same time, you know, with the level that he's performing at, if he wins Defensive Player of the Year, like I think Miles could ask for anything, and you can give it to him. Quite frankly, um, I want him to retire as a Brown. I hope they find a way. Um, you know, throughout his career to to keep him around because that's a really special player. That's a Hall of Famer right there. And he deserves to stay in Cleveland for as long as he wants to be here. So hopefully whatever they do, they just make it happen. Uh, the last one is a non-Browns question, but I did want to talk about this. Thoughts on CJ Stroud. So I am so happy for CJ Stroud and what he is doing in Houston. Now we play the Texans later this year and I, I will not be rooting for CJ Stroud in that moment. I hope he has the worst game of his rookie season in that game, but in general, so happy for CJ Stroud and what he's doing. It's so funny because I remember during, you know, this summer, a lot of the um, college quarterbacks take this S2 cognitive test. Um, I think they take it before the draft probably actually. And it's this test that is supposed to tell you um, how successful, basically, how smart they are um, as a quarterback, how successful they're going to be in kind of reading the game, how they see the field. I'm not sure exactly, you know, what the questions are, what they entail, but I know a lot of people very recently, even though it's only a couple years old, have been putting a lot of weight into this test. And CJ Stroud apparently was the worst out of the entire draft class of quarterbacks, did horribly. Um, and a lot of people were scared of drafting him because of that. And I just really don't want to hear about that anymore at all, because very clearly he is seeing the field very well. He is able to run an offense, an NFL offense, extremely well without issue. Um, so no concerns there. Uh, whereas some of the guys that scored a lot better aren't doing as well as CJ. So look, I know there's a lot of factors that go into what makes 
someone successful in this league. Um, and I just think it's silly to take one test and decide that that, that that's how someone is going to do as a as an NFL quarterback. Um, I think right now he's definitely offensive rookie of the year. I actually think with the way he's playing, he should be in, in the MVP conversation. Like he is putting up ridiculous numbers. He had a hundred, not hundred, 470 yards in this last game, um, against the Buccaneers. And that was the rookie record for single game passing yards, which is crazy. 470 yards is an insane amount. He had the game winning drive at the end. Um, you know, he's been doing great in his post game interviews of explaining what he's been seeing as a quarterback and why he's made some of the decisions he's made. Uh, and it just shows how aware he is of what's going on. It's, it's not moving too quickly for him. He is seeing what's happening and I, I couldn't be more happy for him. He also had that streak earlier on, um, in the season of not throwing an interception that, um, and you know, the most number of consecutive games. And, uh, he was up there with the, the greats, um, so it was, um, it was really, really cool to see. Um, and I, I'm just genuinely really happy for him. Um, okay. So that is all I have for the mailbag questions. Um, and that is all I have for today. We've, you know, got another week of football and we keep moving along. Hopefully, uh, the Browns can get a win against the Ravens would make me extremely happy. Um, but if not, we got the Steelers after that and we just keep going. You just keep trying to get wins where you can. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you could leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, follow, subscribe, please go to the YouTube, subscribe there, leave a comment. Uh, let me know what you're thinking. Would very much appreciate that. Thank you all so much for listening and go Browns.